should make a podcast about Jungle's podcast. Twilight Zone right now. Okay. What's up, everybody? I finally got Rob Young right where I want him on the podcast. He owns a casino. He's an entrepreneur. He's done all sorts of stuff. Plays super high stakes, hero of poker, you name it. How does it feel to be on the podcast? Or what's new with you? Um, I'm just in Dubai at the moment. Just uh, relaxing. There's a few guys out here. Tony G's out here. Leon's out here. Quite a few people I know, but I'm here with my family, so uh, I'm just uh, at Atlantis uh, doing the aquarium stuff. And uh, then I'm off to Vegas when I get back to play um, high stakes poker. I, I never played it before, that TV show with Poker Go Do. Um, so I'm playing that for three days. Um, oh, yeah. cool. All's good. I'm, play- I'm playing a lot more poker this year. I had to take like two, three years off with the kids because uh, I've got a four year old and a two year old. And uh, oh, lockdown yeah. was perfect for me to take a break from playing. Um, so, but this year, I can, I'm able to take the kids with me some places. So I'm, play, I'm playing a lot more, and uh, I'm going to play that Hustler Live million dollar buying game as well, plus some other stuff over over the year. I, I think you're great for poker. We need more people like you who are like legit supporting the game, and also playing on TV uh, because you kind of represent what uh, poker should be about. Um, in some kind of way, uh, or at least should be about for the sake of the longevity of the game and to make it more entertaining and all that sort of stuff. Well, I think people people think with me, I've been in the business for 20 years now, so kind of been it since I was like in my early 30s. So like I've done my, done my apprenticeship and I think people have kind of seen with my actions, whether it was a party or DTD or working with the partners I work with, that whilst high stakes is something that I play, uh, my real passion and my real interest is actually bringing new players into the game and getting people to kind of en- engage in poker. And uh, to be honest with you, one of my main, main reasons for that is my dad. I mean, my dad was 80-odd um, and he was still playing poker every night at my casino, meeting new friends, socialising. And I just thought, think that poker is something you can play all your life till the day you die. And socially, it can really be a, a big benefit to you as you're getting older. I mean, you can't do other sports, but you can play poker. And I, I kind of saw what saw what, I, what it did for my dad's life. You know, meeting a lot of new people, getting into social interaction. And I just think it's such a great game. Um, I don't consider it same as a casino game. Um, you know, I consider it good. So I think uh, over the years, a lot of people have seen me really try and promote the grassroots side, even though they may have seen me playing at slightly higher stakes than that myself personally. So yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I remember you telling me that story um, of how it like helped him uh, cope with his uh, with his old age. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean you make a really good point because it is a social game, and in fact it helps a lot of it helps me. It helped the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the the kids who play online games and that kind of thing, if they want to make some money, it turns out all the money's live. You know, and you're playing against like legit, like almost literal machines on the internet mm. you can't do that in real life they don't have terminators yet uh fortunately it'll be a minute for those so um all those kids come live and they have to socialize and be you know at least respectable humans and all of that for the most part yeah it's helped a lot of the guys like yourself i remember when you first started playing you were so quiet so shy when you first started playing live, and now you're dressing up as Marvel Marvel heroes and uh, rest and not yet Marvel heroes. WF, so you you definitely come out of your shell. Um, it's helped a lot of those guys come into what I would call like you know life experiences um, who played online only. But I just think poker is generally just great. It's like life. It's decisions. You make decisions in poker, and some can go wrong, and some can go right. And uh, in life. You can get on a bad run, you know. In, in life, you can make a lot of good decisions and uh, things can still yeah. go wrong for you. And it, and just like poker, it's a test for you to see whether you have the backbone to, to keep on pushing and keep on improving. So in my life, certainly, you know, since I, I've been working in business for myself since I was 21, so mm-hmm. I've made so many mistakes. And sometimes I've known I've made the right, the right decision. I have to get the strength to keep making that. And you're doing poker as well. You have to 
have the strength to keep on making the right decision regardless of the outcome. So I find poker very, very similar to life and I think that's why everybody should play poker. Um, I also think reverse-wise, playing poker will, will actually help you in life. Um, people get on a bad run at poker and uh, how to cope with that, how to cope with the unfairness, sometimes the unjustification of it. Um, the poker gods don't always be kind. Sometimes they're kind to the to the wrong people. Um, oh, yeah. And that's life, well, you know. So I look at I, poker as life, which is why I'll probably I, play poker till the day I die. Um, I have lots of thoughts on that. There's a billion great subjects here. So I totally agree with you. I te think that teach poker teaches perseverance yeah. and critical thinking, two very, very necessary life skills uh, because to win at poker, you really have to be stubborn. You have to really believe in yourself uh, when all those things are going terrible. Mm. And um, yeah, you need that to be an entrepreneur too. I think entrepreneurship's even harder for all kinds of reasons, to be honest. I, I want to hear a bit of your stories in business that, or in poker actually, that uh, where you had to persevere and um, you know get through when you made mistakes and then you had to do the right thing over and over and it, you did the right thing over and over and it didn't work. Uh, what kind of stories do you have about uh, maybe your casino or Well, I mean, I, I'll tell you how I got my first break in life. And maybe that that is uh, kind of sums up the rest of the way I've approached life. So when I was 20, uh, there was a job in London. It was a big job with 100 people working, 100 staff. And... Uh, it was a job for someone much more qualified than me. I was a qualified accountant at the time, pretty young. Um, so I applied for this job. I didn't put my name on, on my CV. So I got an interview because I had all straight A's at school, etc., in college. So I, I went down for this job at 21 years old to, uh, to have 100 people working for me in London uh, as an accountant, financial controller. And uh, I went to Canary Wharf, the big, huge building there. And when I turned up for the interview with the finance director, he looked at me and he said, come on, son, how old are you? And I said, well, you know, I didn't put my, I didn't put my age on my CV because I knew you wouldn't get an interview. He said, I can't give you the job, you're too young, before I even started the interview. I said, well, okay, if you can't give me the job, at least take me to the top of Canada One and let me look at the stars. It was a famous view. It was the tallest building in the UK. And they had like a, uh, all the, all the, uh, um, astronomical equipment so you could look at Mars and things like that from there. So just take me, that's all I ask. I've come all the way all the way down here for an interview. At least you can do is take me up there. So he took me up there and I got talking to him and I was looking at the moon and all this stuff through this amazing top of this huge building which was a legendary building, a legendary building that got built in the UK. And then um, I turned around to him and I said, listen, I can do this job. I'll work for half the salary for six months no contract, just give me the job. And if after six months you're happy, you pay me the full salary. The salary was a hundred thousand pounds. That was a lot of money, like 30 years ago. Uh, and, the, and, and, and the guy was a little bit risque and he said, okay, deal. And that's, that's how I got my first break. I never did an interview for the job or anything. I just made the guy an offer he couldn't refuse. Um, and uh, he did actually pay me uh, half the salary as well. I thought it might, might feel sorry for me and pay me a bit more. So uh, after six months, he put me on the on 100,000, which was enough to go to every nightclub every night in London and enjoy myself. And that's how I got my first my first break. Um, and I was wanted to stay with that company. It was the Mirror Group newspapers, so the equivalent of like the Washington Post or New York Times in the UK. And I loved that job. Uh, but unfortunately, my my sister got ill in Nottingham, two hours away. And uh, I had to go back and help with my sister. Um, so I, they, they kept the job open for me uh, for six months while I was uh, with my sister and my family. And I never went back. I decided that I need to stay close to my family. And then I just decided that I was going to set my own company up and work for myself. And that's how I started, really. And uh, I think by the time I was 25, I had 1,600 people working for me. So I grew it quite quickly. Um, so... Um, yeah, but that, that kind of epitomizes that. There's lots of examples in my life where I've never given up and I'll just make it happen no matter what. 
uh, and normally I make things happen by sacrificing something myself. Whether maybe maybe if I want to really work with a company, I'll say okay, we'll I'll work with you for free for a year, just to get in. Mm -hmm. um, many examples like that where I've just just wanted something so much, I just don't accept no, and I'll just make an offer that they can't refuse. And uh, once people realise that you're willing to basically say, I'll do it on these terms, they know that you've got that confidence. And I think that's something that people sometimes, they give up too early. And oh, yeah. So that's how I got my first my first good job, really, and that was my first big break. And, and from then on, I've, I've always taken that approach that if I think I could do something, I'm going to try, and I can't open the door, I'll just make something happen. And I think that's a, that's a good lesson for anybody. Um, when I was 30, I actually went, I, just, I, I quit work and uh, I had three years out and I went around uh, universities uh, lecturing on business and uh, I wrote 10 golden rules that I'd learned in my life and uh, I would lecture on those just 10 short golden rules and, and uh, never give up was, was always one of them. Um, so, but, yeah, I mean, if I give you another 10 examples, they're going to be the same like that. It's always the same approach. Never give up. And always uh, try and do things the right way, even even if the right way costs you some money in the start. Uh, I thought of a nickname for you of What's sorts: uh, the Good Godfather, sort of like good the. Godfather. <laughs> um, I think with me that people deal with me, they realise that uh, I'm always looking long term, and they also realise that um, I'm always trying to think of what the downsides are to something and if the downsides if the financial side is good and the, but the non-financial side is bad I'm just never doing 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 that I'm never I'm never doing anything for money so uh, and that and that's not because I have money I've always been like that when I was poor um, I still would never do anything just for money so I think that holds you in good stead with people People know where they are. They know they can respect you. They know that they can trust mm -hmm. you when you can't be bored. All right, I got like a million things to say. I'm not sure if I'm going to cover them all, but whatever. Uh, I totally agree with you. And I think that um, people have this idea. One thing I realize is people have this idea of money as, you know, this currency that they're supposed to earn. But in secret, the, a greater currency to have that often yields to a lot of... Um, often results in a lot of money anyway, in addition to many other things which you sacrifice by sacrificing your values for money, uh, which is, as you said, doing something for what is right. I think, I think this is like the secret, uh, it's sort of like grandiose cosmological game that exists. I mean, it kind of has to exist philosophically, or at least something, that's something I've been thinking about, is that in the super long run to do the right thing actually pays off in all kinds of different ways more and maybe even more in money oftentimes more money actually than than taking the short-term route for the sake of making lots of money it, it depends what your what your long your long plan is i mean my i had a very early situation in my life where <clears throat> i nearly sold a company um when i was like 26 27 and uh, and I nearly sold that company to a company I hated. It was a big company that I was competing with, and I swore that I would never ever sell that company to them, my company to them, no matter what, because I couldn't stand them, couldn't, didn't like them. And they made me a big offer, and I accept. I went out, had some drinks with them, got taken in by all the bullshit, and I agreed to sell the company for what was a good, decent, <laughs> a lot of money at that time. And then in the morning I woke up, and I, I was brushing my teeth, and uh, I looked at myself, and I just looked at myself like I w didn't like myself in the mirror. And I emailed the company and said, "I'm not selling, you, I'm not selling you my company for any amount of money. Fuck off." And uh, since then, I had that that early in my life that I couldn't be bought. Um, and and what you're talking about there is uh, having that that value of uh, that feeling that you need to look at yourself in the mirror, and you know the truth. So. If you can look at yourself in the mirror and uh, you know everything that you've done in life, good, bad, sins, non-sins, vices, non-vices, 
if you can look at yourself in the mirror and smile, I believe that's the measure of, uh, of all, all the decisions that you should make in your life. I don't think it's about financial. It's not about if you do the right thing, you're going to end up making more money. It's about if you do the right thing that you think, you're going to end up being much more comfortable with yourself. Uh, and because I had that experience very early on in my life where I nearly sold my soul, uh, and I didn't do it, and it was a lot of money for, uh, for someone of my age, I would have never had to work again. Um, and uh, because I didn't, I chose what I, I chose self-respect rather than uh, rather than to be rich. Um, that that feeling I got there, you can't buy it. That feeling of, uh, of of looking at yourself in the mirror and the mirror looking back at you, and not being happy with what you see and doing something about it, I think is fundamental to peace, contentment, happiness, and values. Not so, so when you bring that up, I, I think there's another layer. It's about you know all your secrets. When you're on your own, brushing your teeth, and you look in the mirror, are you proud of who you are? And I think that's a key measurement for for anybody to get to to get to that point. And there's been times in my life where I've looked in the mirror and I haven't been happy, and I've thought I need to adjust something here. Oh, uh, for sure, all that's important. I mean, mm. if you like hate, dislike, or unhappy with yourself for a super long period of time. I mean, what good is like, I don't know. I mean, I personally am not made happier by much happier by like, it, 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 there's a diminishing returns of the number of like things you can buy with money. Like I don't really, I personally, I mean, I guess maybe some people are really happy if they get like a private jet or something. I personally don't care that mm. much. Um, like that kind of stuff, like, and you need like an enormous return to do it. Um, but yeah, it can be a trap as well. You know, someone makes huh? the first hundred k, then they want to make the first million. They were probably more happy when they made their first hundred k than their first million. So the law of diminishing returns comes in. Um, you also hear people say, people who've got money and can afford things, people who haven't say, well, it's okay for you to say it. But I don't really buy that argument either. I think. Uh, Think money's not the route to happiness it's uh um route to happiness is is it's kind of being happy with yourself and i know you talk a bit about your podcast to get you call it the game of life which is an interesting term and uh i think the game of life um winning the game of life is not just it's not just about about financial it's about how you're feeling you know no i 100 percent subscribe to that i uh Realizing that more and more, um, even if like whatever doesn't end up with money in the long run, it's not really a huge deal. I mean, you made it all yourself. You know, you ground away online. You battled people heads up. You know, you got you've you've not had any help of anybody, and you just done it yourself. I mean, just just because you made it in poker doesn't it's the same as making it in business. You've uh, everything you have is down to your skills and how you've applied yourself and. Uh, um, all poker players who reach the top. Same, same respect for them. Oh, thank you. Although I needed poker to do that, first of all, I needed um, other people to play against me that were worse than me. I needed for that opportunity to exist. I needed, um, I mean, I can tell you that the training sites helped me a ton, for example. All the resources I learned online, actually, if with, without all that, I don't think I'd be that good. That stuff helped me exponentially. Um, yeah, but you've taken the time to study it. I've never studied poker in my life. I don't deserve to, to win. Um, um, the people that put the effort in deserve, but obviously, uh, obviously, um, starting off from nothing, grinding up from the lower stakes, is, for me, people who do that, it's just like a maximum, maximum respect. I think it's much harder to do that now, though, isn't it, for the current crop? I mean, it much yeah, harder it should to do be, it. Although... It should be, although I might, uh, I, I may have some ideas behind that. I think if guided correctly, it may be possible to still do it. You think someone could start off playing like twenty-five cent, fifty cent with a with a ten k ten k bankroll and, and go through the stakes? I mean, we'd be staking, uh, we'd, we'd be staking them all, wouldn't we? If we if we thought we could get hundred players to start off with a ten k bankroll, um, start at twenty-five, fifty cents, and we're on 50-50 and they rise all the way up to the high stakes, we'd, we'd have a stable, right? It would be great. I'm, I'm, I'm looking into now. precisely that, except with less money. 
um, because you know it's very hard to judge the poker economy. For for example, um, the poker economy totally blew, blew, um, boomed massively in one country in Vietnam. I don't know if you're aware, but it's also booming in other countries like yeah. India, for example. And I mean, like if all people really have to do is just not kill the environment, um, and it should be sustainable for a long time. And certainly, yeah, if people study, and, and, and it's also, I personally invested in a country that uh, brought poker to Africa, to multiple countries in Africa. So I think there may be like good markets out there that people can be staked in in these developing countries. It just requires yeah. some research and the right plan and all of that. And it could be structured as like an ethical uh, deal and all that stuff. That's what I, I, I think there's a lot of potential in that. And if you really think about it, poker is actually really becoming the dream for, in my opinion, for a lot of these young kids, especially even in first world countries, to be honest. But even, well, actually any world country, if you think about it, like if you even can make like 20,000 a year from poker in like almost every country, you're doing way better yeah, than Yeah, like Slovakia, the, stand, average, the average wage is eight, 800 euros a month. So if you weren't 20,000, you'd be earning over the average and you'd have your freedom. So, yeah, in certain countries. But yeah, well, imagine like in, in like many African countries, like the average wage is like, like 80 cents a day or something mm. in some of these countries or some like crazy small amount. Yeah. And, you know, it's if you learn to get halfway good, you can totally... Like you could totally make like small amounts of money, relatively, and yeah, I could see that happening. Um, um, internet. If you look at the internet stats in Africa and countries like that, there's no reason why online poker shouldn't be shouldn't be starting to starting to happen in those countries. Um, there was always the excuse that the internet wasn't good enough, but uh, I mean, there's there's other there's certainly other waves that could help that could help poker. Uh, Obviously, we're very dependent on the governments connecting to dot com, aren't we? When these markets are are ring fenced, it's quite difficult to 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 grow. You know, we want France, Italy, Portugal, USA, India, China. Never never going to be China, I don't think. But the more global liquidity that that we can get, the more I think the more poker grows exponentially. People say to me about the money maker effect that that happened and was the poker boom they say to me like poker's got a bit a bit uh, a bit static now but i mean the reason for that in my opinion is just one reason it's not because we haven't had any more money makers it's because of regulation because governments have basically screwed screwed poker i mean they split it so you can only play against people in your own country so people can't have this dream of these million dollar prize pools you know I think regulation is the number one problem why poker's become become stat online poker's become static, and obviously online poker is a big catalyst to grow live poker as well. Um, the governments have, the governments have just severed just just severed the the spine of uh, of poker in my opinion. Um, I mean it's pretty terrible, isn't it? How say I can play I can go and play cash game with Bruno Bruno Fertuzzi, a friend of mine. In my in, in my venue, but I, but he goes back to France. I can't play with him play with him online. I mean, it's like an it's like an infringement of our civil rights, isn't it? But I mean, we can see how how terrible the governments are with their attitude to poker, and uh, yeah, you know it's, it's you know I would love I I would love everyone in the world to be able to play on on a site together, and imagine the prize pools you would get. You know, imagine. The whole world could play a, a ten dollar tournament. It could be like ten million, right? Every Sunday, it could be insane. They would get so excited. Um, so you know, I would love to see that change, and more and more people would come in um, because I do believe poker is an addictive, nice, sociable game. It's intellectually taxing. I do believe that that that, that it's something that could really, really take off. But whilst it's all being segregated and treated quite meanly, I would say, being categorized like sports betting or casino, um, it's it's going to struggle to grow that much. Because poker is a, a liquidity game. I remember when I ran my first online poker site about 20 years ago on WagerLogic, and the CEO of WagerLogic said to me, 
poker is about three things. Liquidity, liquidity, and liquidity. And it's always stuck with me. Even the car wasn't that sharp, but he'd been in the business a long time. Uh, and he said, it's very different, to, very different to sporting casino. It needs liquidity. And we've had, we've, as an industry, we've had that liquidity crucified, really, haven't we? Um, even in America, they keep yeah. setting poker up in different states. I mean, what is going on? What? How can Californians it's, not play with, like, uh, Texans? It's, it's insane, isn't it, how, how, the approach that they're taking? Yeah, it's very strange. It, it's, um, I don't really understand the details of why it's happening so much, because even if you look at, even if you look at, you know, the number of people that actually have a gambling problem, well, first of all, the casino games um, are legal in a lot of different places, so... I mean, no one wins at those, right? Like, literally no one. And secondly, there's not that many. It's actually quite a low percent of people that have a legit gambling problem, in which case, you know, you can create kind of um, bounds around that, as Australia does, for example. You know, you can see their anti-gambling campaigns. And another thing is there's all kinds of, like, degenerate policies out there that in my opinion are way way worse than poker like the whole whatever's going on with the health uh with food you name it uh i mean it's like no one respects moral values in dating a lot of the time or it's like oh it's just a this addiction thing is interesting though because people there's people get addicted to shopping smoking drinking sex people get addicted to all sorts of things and uh, yeah. i would have thought being addicted to like poker is I think one of the less harmful ones than, uh, than so some people have addictive personalities and they, they, they can gravitate to something else. Um, mm -hmm. But I think when we're over 18, we should be allowed to make our own decisions. And if we want to gamble, if we want to play poker specifically, um, we should be able to make those decisions. We can go into a, a Prada shop and spend 5,000 on a handbag, right? That's going to hurt us financially. Um, yeah, we can only deposit $100 100 euros in Sweden, if, if I'm Swedish, to play poker. Uh, it's kind of dumb. Um, so I think at some point you have to be allowed to make your own decisions. And I don't consider poker uh, as, as being like a harmful substance like drugs or, you know, or alcohol. No, I consider no, poker being a game where you, where, where you pay a fee to play um, and you play a game, you know, I mean, let's face it, it's not even a game of chance, is it? It's just, it poker is a game of skill, um, like chess. Well, ultimately, yes. I think yeah. that 10, 50 years ago, people were naive and, and, and thought, well, it could be a game of luck, you get your aces cracked, but we can see now from all the stats and the millions of hands that the best players win. So it's a game of skill. It shouldn't be illegal anywhere. You should, you should be able to play all together. Um, the governments have got it wrong. Um, well, because it doesn't generate much revenue, it's, I mean, for example, if you look at the global revenues of gaming, uh, I think sports sports is 55%, casinos um, 40, uh, 38%, and poker's like 7% of global gaming revenues. So it goes onto the bottom of the list for the governments. They just don't care about it. I mean, how much tax are they going to get out of poker? Nothing, right? So because it's only 7% of the global gaming market, it doesn't even get legislation about it. It just gets merged in with the big sports and casino and i think that's a that's that's one of its problems that they they the governments don't really just want to spend a lot of time on what they're going to get seven percent of their tax tax for um, well uh, i mean equivalently they probably don't spend a whole lot of time like policing it or shutting it down i mean it's pretty easy to get a vpn or have like some kind of whatever site or that kind of thing um, I mean, a lot of people do that in all kinds of different countries anyway. Yeah, but, I, uh, some people, but, but it's never going to be mainstream when you've got to do VPNs and mess around, things like that. Um, but, you know, maybe change. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't think it'll ever change. I think somebody will correct. I think as crypto gets adopted, and I think I predicted this with uh, Joey Ingram a couple of years ago, um, as crypto gets more and more adopted, um, I believe that someone will create a crypto site and uh, that will be the that will be the po next poker booth. That's what. There's already crypto poker sites. What do you mean? No, but there's a big difference between a world class poker site and, uh, and 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 second tier, right? So let's say let's say someone let us say someone of the GG's quality of software or PokerStars quality of customer service or 
you know, let, let's take a business like Stake.com. Stake.com are one of the biggest uh, online casino and sports uh, betting com companies in the world, and they're crypto-based. If they decide to move into poker with their full infrastructure, customer services, full game integrity, super software, something like that, I believe will happen in poker, one of the big uh, crypto sports and casino businesses will will decide to go into poker, and I think that will be the, the next moneymaker effect, the next big change. Um, that's why that that is what I see as uh, the biggest opportunity uh, for poker to grow. Everyone playing together, and it will get around all regulation because crypto won't be considered legal tender in these countries, so it will be treated like play money, like like sports and casino is, and. Uh, I, I, I do believe that that could change poker, the fact that everyone could play together. So Maybe then the idea is just get a crypto site to endorse poker. That seems a lot easier than getting a government to change their mind about it. Yeah, but uh, it's such a... The problem, the problem is, is, let's say someone like state.com um, or sportsbet.io.com decided to do poker. It's going to cost them so much money because they can see them and sports customers are going to lose in the poker site, right? That's why they don't do it. So um, it's it's tricky poker. It's the it's the it's poker's the the lowest margin and the least beneficial online gaming product that that that, that, that people can be in, but it's fun and we like it. So let's for example say if if a sports book and a casino introduced poker, um, the money that the, their sports and casino customers were losing to them is now going to get lost in the poker side. So that's why it doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I, I noticed that. I was even hearing, yeah, like casino games make a lot more than poker, for example. It is, it is example, a bit tricky. Every dollar, every dollar deposited on a poker site, uh, the site retains on average 28 uh, cents. Every dollar deposited on a casino site, the site retains 78 cents. So why, uh, would, you have, so why would you ever have a poker site? Well, you could show, for example, that, I mean, we didn't talk about the longevity of the situation. Uh, like, maybe the poker players play longer, or I don't know. It's just not possible to have a poker site for a casino and sports business. It, the, I've seen all the numbers, they don't add up. Um, so that's why, that's, that, that's why the big crypto game, online gaming companies are not touching poker at the moment. But somebody will eventually. Because someone will think... Uh, if I acquire all the poker players, then it's the reverse. Then they'll lose some money on sports and casino. No one's running. No, no, no one's running poker to make money, to make serious money in the world. It's a low-margin business, um, and uh, unless you've got a complete monopoly, you know you, the EBITDA returns not significant versus versus sports and casino. But I do predict that at some point. One of the big crypto companies, or a big crypto company, will go into poker, uh, run off the blockchain, and, uh, and I think that'll be the game changer for for the poker industry. Why is that? Because of liquidity. Because the whole world can play. Oh, oh okay. Well, I really hope you're right. Um, it's going to happen. It's good. It's got to. It's it's going to happen. I mean, just when someone does it. When someone wants to invest in poker, um, because what's going to happen to Poker Stars and GG and Party Poker and Eighty Eight is they're going to keep getting this ring fencing. Where I mean, it's happening in Canada now, where they're where they where they're on top. Ontario is its own network, and this is the government's kind of policy on sports and casino to ring fence and control the customers. They're just treating poker the same. So, so the future for the online poker businesses is really tough at the moment because of this regulation. It's going to keep hurting them. I've, for example, when I was a party, that party party had to close fifty nine markets to be compliant with the U.S. Uh, really? Yeah, parties. I believe party probably went down sixty percent because of those changes. Um, you know, really? that's liquidity. Um, but you know, it's not all doom and gloom because uh, uh, there's new sites opening. WPT Global um, has opened. Uh, I think uh, Bring Kenny's opened a site called Four Global. I haven't had a look at that. Uh, yeah, I've heard of it. There's more people. There's more people. There's a few more people seeing what GG have done and thinking, oh, maybe we could do that because obviously GG have grown exponentially, haven't they? Um, uh, 
this seems very ambitious to me, but okay. I hope I, I, I hope it grows in other ways. I, I, I'm really curious how you're planning on bringing more recreational players to the table. That, I think, would really help the games. Because obviously... What we're going to do at the moment is we've got this project at the moment in our, in our events business where uh, a friend of mine, R2 uh, from Russia, is uh, actually Armenian. We were, we were having a drink one night about seven, eight years ago in Sochi. And he said, you know what my dream is? And I said, what's your dream? He said, he had this little tour called EAPT. It did like little events in 500 buying events in Kazakhstan, um, they did, they did, uh, Cyprus, uh, just around that kind of area. He said, my dream is to have a flag in every country and do a tournament in every country. And I said to him, yeah, imagine if you could have a grassroots tour in every single country. Even if you only get 500 runners in one country, like Georgia or somewhere like that, and link everybody Georgia together. Can, Georgia can do better than that, for sure. And I he said that. to me, I said, hold that thought. I'll come back to you one day and help you do that. So one of our projects at the moment is we're going to help the EAPT put a flag in every country and do like a grassroots tournament. The main event will only be 500 and uh, try and promote poker really, really at the grassroots. So that's one of our projects at the moment. Our second project is with APAT, uh, Amateur Poker, um, Amateur Association of Poker. They do like between uh, 100 and 200 grassroots. Um, so uh, DTD, my events company, we're getting behind those two brands and we're gonna help with all our relationships with all the casinos to try and facilitate growth at the, at the live poker end from basically 100 to 500 buy-in. And my dream is with like the EAPT to, to, to deliver what, what R2 wanted to do, which was a flag in every country one day. So that's how we will, that's how we will try and do our bit to stimulate poker. Um, however, I won't be, uh, online poker is completely different because you're segregated. It's very hard to do. So I think I don't um, think I'd be interested in online poker unless uh, one day the legislation or the government change things and then you could do something with it so we're going to attack it from the live poker angle by even if a country's only got a three million population like montenegro they're not big no one wpt are never going there wsop are never going there no one's going to do a big event in border montenegro but we're going to do one so that's that's what our passion is going to be to try and grow poker at the grassroots level i um i'll support it i mean i'm happy to support you i mean you've you've done nice things for me and i believe in the future of poker and i think um i mean live poker certainly has the capacity to capacity to be more entertaining and have all these positive effects as well i i just wonder i wonder on a couple things i was thinking from a different angle although i don't know how to solve it and also i'm also i'm thinking you know it's still not that easy to make like a ton of money it's hard to make a ton like real money playing like you know, 500 buy-in in wherever. Like, first of all, most of these guys in Montenegro or whatever don't have, like, three $500 to do it. Yeah, um, I mean, but, of course, it's hard for them to make a ton of money doing it, but it, it stimulates the interest in that region for poker, and then you, that's, that's but, yeah, you're not, you're not trying to recruit and train professional poker players of the future. You're just trying to get poker in front of people in that country where it probably doesn't get put in front of them because the main tours won't, aren't, it's too small, too small for the main tours to go there. Um, right. So if well, everyone, if, if everyone right. does their little bit, I mean, there's lots of people doing things. So we, you know, we want to do things in the live space because where our expertise is. But you've got the YouTube, you've got these uh, podcasts happening at the moment. You know all this Matt Berkey stuff and Nick Airball and and Doug coaching and. You've got all this happening, which is good for poker. It's got lots of noise. So the content providers are doing their bit. The online sites are trying their best, but it's difficult for them because they keep getting the governments dicing their markets up. Um, you've got WPT doing an event in December now. So you've got WSOP in, in, in the summer, WPT in December. There's a lot of moves being made. And if everyone just does their little bit, the sum of all the little bits is going to help grow poker. So... Yeah, there's not there's not there's not one solution uh, to help to help grow the game. Um, you've got Capoca Go. Uh, 
You've got Triton. You know, you've got high yeah. quality poker to watch now. I know Poker Go. Some of it is behind the firewall. You pay ninety nine dollars a year to watch it, but I mean ninety nine dollars in today's world, nine dollars a month is not a heartbreaker. So there's lots more happening now in the poker world than than I've ever seen. Um, and there's, if everyone, there's lot. It's pocketed. It's not controlled by one person. So you know, every now and again, you've got like Joey Ingram doing something. You've got Doug doing something. You've got um, PokerStars doing something. You've got GG doing something. You've got WSOP doing something. There's a lot of people pushing. You've got venues like The Win embracing poker, very famous venues. You've got Asian poker tours like APT happening, going to places like uh, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore. Uh, you've got poker in Japan is huge, although they can only play for prizes, non, non much values. So... There's a guy. There's a lot happening all over the place, and it's good at the moment. I think. I think it's good. I think like not one person can grow poker. Uh, Everyone can do their own little bit, and I think as I said, the sum of all the efforts will will help. Oh yeah. Well, the trick is partly to inspire those efforts. Um, In my view, now correct me if I'm wrong. This is just what I think the two motivators are, um, in terms of emotion for the poker. And this is why I keep referencing the dream, because the dream is a big motivator for these kids that have no future to, or basically look like they have very little future in many of these places these days, uh, to have a future in poker and be able to be free and travel the world potentially uh, without that much difficulty and have their own job and not have to go to college and end up out of debt and things like that, or don't even have the option to go to college. Um, So... Uh, the one, the first one is the dream that I just referenced, uh, which it seems like people are killing for some reason because they want to make more money, I guess. Which, I mean, I kind of understand, but I don't know. I'm not as incentivized by money these days. And two, sheer entertainment value, just pure fun, especially for people who are well off because those well, are the guys that poker. I mean, poker is so unique in the fact that live poker, you get to travel, right? I mean... All the countries that we've seen, that you've been to, that I've been to, all the different cultures. It's so amazing how it, you, you, you can get exposed to those. Uh, such, and some of the kids at such a young age, in their early 20s, who poker has enabled them to do that. Um, you just can't buy those life experiences at that age normally. And so, you know, when you talk about the dream, I think the dream is still, is still there. Um, it's just it's different there, but it's like, not just about winning like the world scary. series anymore you, you know there's lots of tournaments now where you can win life-changing money you can win a minute i mean how much is life-changing money uh, let, let's say life-changing money could be anything for someone for 100k to probably a million dollars how many tournaments is there a year where you can win between 100k and a million dollars so i think the dream is there it's just not just about the one guy that wins the world series if you remember Chris Moneymaker, how much did he win when he won the World Series? Was it like 1.8? Oh, really? Yeah. Um, like well, I mean, hypothetically, huh? It's like four, how many players was it he beat? 4,000 players or 3,000 players? No, less, wasn't it? 2,000 players? I mean, now there's so many, there's tournaments everywhere where you can win life-changing money. So I, th- I think the dream is getting better. Um, you can win EPTs, you can win WPTs. You got you, you've even got these WSOP circuits where you can buy in for one K and you can win like three hundred K now. So I think the opportunities are way more for poker players now than they were like fifteen years ago. So oh, yeah. I agree that the dream's not there. I just think uh, I think I think poker's never been live poker's never been in such a good space. Really? Mm. I think live poker's well, great. You know all you really have to do to make a decent amount of money is like like I think just sell the dream and do it well it, with good staking deals or whatever in a country where there's a lot of like opportunity to make quite some money from poker i mean i don't i, I have to look at the numbers really it's like too easy to it's easy to I say something it's interesting because uh i mean to, to huh? stake to stake people you have to coach them and train them and mentor them um if you want to build the dream that way which is a big investment in your time other people's time um, because to, to teach somebody how to play, it's not just about the cards and the rules, it's the mentality and the discipline as well. 
So they almost they also need mentoring. So it's a big investment to take people from zero to hero and bankroll that as well. Um, it's not just about te log in and watch this video and learn how to play. I think you have to be a mentor for them and, gr and grow them as a team. But well, I kind of like that idea, and quite a bit that quite a bit of that post has been done in Brazil. You have like uh, some of the stables in Brazil, like Forbet, where it's been more of a, a mentoring complete solution rather than just watch this video and click these buttons. I think that could be applied to new markets. I completely agree to to build the stars of the future, uh, but it needs time and dedication. And uh, a lot of these training coaching sites now, they just want to spit out a video and sell it as a training course and teach yourself. I think if you if you're encompassing coaching, mentoring, training, staking into one, it's a lot of time. I mean, not many people now are are doing all four, are they? A lot of the training sites used to stake, but they make it. Well, they prefer the easy money now, just getting the subscription and, and not putting the investment into actually staking the players. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that. I mean, I'm thinking about it myself as how to like. Facilitate. I mean, it might be possible if you get the right people. I mean, it really does come down to the right people. I mean, I know a group that's at least one group that's doing that. Um, I mean, I, I assume through coaching, through group coaching, the scale ability, you can scale everyone's progress. It's like everyone's yeah. kind of working together and that kind of thing. You need a big sample like as well. You probably need to start with like 100 players, I think, to have a big sample because you're going to get, you have to cut people pretty quickly, I think, who haven't got the right attitude. So you'd have to sure. really. I think to do it on a large scale, and uh, particularly in these targeting these countries where the standard of living is, uh, is is lower, so if they're winning 30 grand a year at poker, it's actually a good wage. I think it would work, but it's time and dedication, and uh, it's something that it's it's it, it, it's it's something that needs commitment, um, and you have to really care about the people that you're staking, training, and coaching. It's not going to be like a big 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 get rich scheme because they've got a they've got to earn money, right? So yeah, it's quite interesting. It's quite an interesting project to do. That is to is to have a big stable where you're effectively. It's not like uh, it's not like where you're just trying to rinse that extra bit of EV out of an established pro who who wants to step up. Where you're actually taking people from who've got good attitudes and got potential, and you're mentoring them. You, what you're talking about is more like a college than a stable, right? Yeah, well, like a poker, whatever. You poker university. Poker university yeah. you're talking about, where you're going to take them through to graduation, right? And then when they graduate, that's where you're going to make your money back on them because you've invested in them during the university time. Yeah, I like it. Well, yeah, but even even colleges don't like colleges don't take people and teach them life. That's not the colleges do like the thing you were just talking about. They just give them a course and say, hey, go figure it out. And if you don't figure it out, it's your fault. And then, of course, only 5% or whatever the number is, is actually reaches the conversion rate. And the people are like, what's wrong with the education system? Um, and then, well, education Well, I always try to be positive about things. I mean, there's lots of problems in the world. And I like to focus on what can be done like positively rather than worry about the 90%, 99% of bullshit that's out there. And anything positive is good. Uh, so, you know, if you could create jungle man's university of poker and uh, target these uh, these individuals who had the right attitude and change their lives and you probably get and then hope you get your money back when they graduate i like that idea i wouldn't give a shit about the other stuff that's going on i mean i mean there's so much negative so many people focus on uh on, you hear you hear the word but what if oh but this might happen and and no one ever does anything whereas I just like to, and I've got better this as I've got older. I just focus on the plus now. I, I don't think about the mi about the minuses around me. Well, I, yeah, I like that I mean, idea. Actually, Google Man's University of Poker. G U. What does that stand for? G. Jupe. Jup. Jungle Man's University of Poker. Um, well, I'm, I'm looking into it. I think there might be something there as African well. African players target Africa. Target these under these countries where people are, and say you're going to teach them and you're going to stake them. Um, but you have to be committed to it. I think it would actually be good. I like it. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, uh, it wouldn't be me teaching it. It would be me teaching sometimes um, and orchestrating the right people uh, to do it right. Like, you have to find the right people to do it. And 
Yeah, mean, you, need, you need to have a team of a team of coaches. Um, but I mean, what you're talking about is giving people jobs. So, so let's say I could go out now, open a business, and give yeah, someone yeah. two hundred jobs. Yeah, everyone say, Rob, that's a really nice thing you've done. You created two hundred jobs. Well, you could do the same. You could go out and groom two hundred poker players, and you're creating two hundred jobs. Yeah, but you have to go off your back. Um, you have to, pay, yeah, you have to, uh, you know. I like that idea. I like it a lot. Yeah, I'm looking into it, and actually, it was a couple people I know that are good friends of mine have started the process themselves. Yeah. Um, in fact, it's almost like I, I have a little bit of a business experience now. I mean, partly this podcast is an experiment in business experience. Experience. I think it's way tougher, by the way, uh, to run a business than play poker. I think it's like. Um, I don't know. It's a completely different skill set. Well, not completely different, but certain things are very different. Um, you have to learn how to be good with people, which is running to find business, the right people exactly. Running businesses. Important. When I was younger, I used to find it more difficult. But as I've got more experience, I've found that it's, that uh, everything's the same. Really, you know, it's the same principles. Whatever business you're running. And uh, I've had a lot of tech problems, a lot of tech companies over my life and caused me a lot of headaches. But uh, I feel like I've actually managed to understand how to run those now. So, yeah, running business is not, not as complex. I think the most important thing when you're running businesses is, is, is to keep, uh, keep stable, not lose your temper and keep, keep practical yeah. and, uh, and be very organized. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think now... Maybe I've got 28, 29 different companies. Uh, and uh, I managed to like stay involved in nearly all of them, even though uh, obviously time, time, time doesn't allow that. Uh, but, you know, I, really? I, I, I find it with experience, you can uh, get the right people and um, invest in people. And uh, I think it, I wouldn't say when business is that complicated um, now. Okay. I I, wanna, I, I got I got some questions because to me it seems, I mean it seems like there's certainly some some big things to focus on that are not so easy. Um, for one thing, how like wait you said you're you're tracking 29 businesses? Maybe more, yeah. You don't even know how many what? I don't know. I, just, I mean I think it was 28 last time <laughs> I did the organizational chart. It's like instead of uh, sixteen tabling, you're twenty nine business. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of these business businesses that I've invested in and I've not got an active role, and uh, I'm like mentoring the the CEO, or um, you know, they're not where I'm going and selling or yeah. doing something. Um, some of those businesses are businesses that are friends that needed the money to to start up, and I helped them. But yeah, I'm tracking. Yeah. I think all those businesses I own more than fifty percent of. Um, so yeah. Well, but I, but I don't find um, I don't find it so complicated because I've tried over the years I've managed to uh, simplify things down a little bit to uh, to a few a few things. And the main thing that I've learned is instead of shouting at people, you support people. And uh, maybe well, when I was younger, I used to shout to people and say, "You're doing this wrong. You're rubbish. Why haven't you done this?" Like you see people on TV doing. Uh, what I've found is that uh, supporting people and working with people um, over the last 20 years, I made that big change, and I found that's been, been been more productive. Well, that's. I mean, that's kind of. Um, I mean, that's a big realization I had over all domains, essentially. I mean, this is why I got more and more involved in spirituality because I kept seeing these overarching tendencies of the root of all problems essentially came back to one thing essentially some variation of uh some variation of greed basically um would be the terms in practical philosophy and i mean every time i analyze something it would be like okay well you know you could be greedy in this way like you could be greedy and wanting progress too fast or greedy with uh you know thinking you have more time than you do or not considering other people's time or because you want someone to understand something that, or want someone to do something, but actually they've got all these roadblocks and it's not because they're not caring kind of thing. Um, you know, even like the Buddha said, compassion is the, the solution, uh, is the solution to solve the world. I mean, many people's problems seem to be 
you know, people, it's easy to say, oh, people are stupid or something like that. But then you, when you actually look at people's problems, it's uh, a little bit more complicated than that. And that actually removing roadblocks is far more useful tool to help to increasing efficiency than, um, than uh, yelling at people and saying, like, try harder, uh, as an yeah, example. I, I used to be very, very direct and very, uh, very confrontational in my 20s. And uh, it got me results. And I thought I'd, banging my fist on the table was the right way to be. But in the last probably 20 years, I've realized that like uh, most people are good people. They're not trying to make mistakes on purpose. Um, so it's very important not to put people in the wrong jobs. And it's also very important if you put them in, in a job that, that you accept responsibility for you giving them the job. Not, so if they fail, it's your responsibility as much as theirs. So, like, a lot of things that I've learned that have changed my outlook on life that, 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 that keep, me, keep me more calmer now um, as I've got older. And I think, uh, um, I, think I think business is about people and, uh, and, and you have to like people. You have to, you, have to, you have to want people to be successful or do well. Um, you have to... Like I don't have any meetings. Um, I have I, I call them catch ups because I want people to think that it's just a catch up and a cup of coffee. Uh, I don't have any formal things that I do anymore. Uh, I just have a cup of coffee, catch up, mm. what's going on, and try and keep it much more formal, um, much more informal. So you know I've got uh, the way that I do things is a bit more agile and. Uh, you know, I feel that technology has helped that as well with Discord and Telegram and WhatsApp, Zoom. It's, it enables us to be more flexible. We can employ people now who have got two kids and let them and not worry that they drop them off at school in the morning and pick them up at three o'clock. If we employ people that we trust, we can let people's lives be more fuller uh, and not have them change the desk from eight to eight to five every day. Um, so I think technology has helped in a lot how we can make people allow people to be more happy at work and therefore and therefore more productive. But I don't know many people that were like me, to be honest with you. Most people don't. But I like, really? I, I, I think I, people I, lie in school. I, I like this approach. Pardon? You said you don't know many people that lie to you? No, no, I don't know many people that work, that work in this kind of like agile, agile, flexible working approach. Like, I would be happy to employ someone and they could relocate to the moon and uh, if I trusted them I'd still be happy with that you know um, so oh, having yeah. this sort of this whole whilst I'm older I believe that one day we'll see no offices I don't think we'll have office blocks I think people will just have work from I think everyone will work remotely I think technology will make things more, I mean, like I'm on this call with you now, and it's not that dissimilar. I don't find it this dissimilar to us being in the same room. You know, I, I think technology moving on will just change a lot of the way businesses are done and make it make communication much more easier. Uh, I mean, if say you employ 100 people, you could just get 100 people on Zoom and tell them your vision. You couldn't do that like 10, 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, you'd have to organize a conference in some hotel and uh. I think just like the whole technology and everything has made it made business more simpler. So going back to your original point about business could be a little bit difficult. I'm saying like it can be difficult if you adopt the old ways, board meetings, conferences, all this bullshit. But if you use technology, I think business can be a lot more, a lot more simpler. One of the biggest barriers in business is communication. It's solved now. We can communicate. If people embrace technology, and rediscover business, it, it will be a lot more simpler for them. It's my long-winded point of replying to you. Oh, for sure. I mean, that it should it should be easier, far easier to scale than it used to be. I'm just thinking to myself, you know, dealing with people, uh, dealing with people in many ways is like playing poker hands, if you think about it. Or at least I was making this analogy because, um, you know, you can deal with people in ways that they're probabilistically going to respond better than in other ways, right? I mean, and and uh, and you're trying to at least collaborate, but I think uh, it requires a stronger will 
to master the communication and lead people, I think this is a really difficult thing to do. Um, in addition, I mean, there's there's a few different major skill sets that at least I've seen in business that seem quite, um, I don't know, they seem, they seem different, but maybe I've just had like totally different experience. I mean, you have to understand your monetization strategy. You've got to, you've got to find the right people is one of the biggest things I think. Um, and know which traits to look for. Isn't that obvious? I think I kind of mostly know now, but I'm not, I, I think I have a good idea of which traits to look for. You have to be able to like, um, scope the mouths, which is a little bit of a poker skill. Yeah, as well. poker. This is why poker is like life. You sit at the poker table, you have to, you want to get to know the people, what their tendencies are. Do they bluff? Do they not bluff? Do they lie? Do they, uh, uh, what tells do they give off? Poker is so similar to business. Um, uh, it's, that's what, you know, that's one of the reasons why I, you know, poker similar to life, you know, like a business poker life, you know, uh, I mean, there's a guy, uh, I don't know how well you know him, um, Bill Perkins, who, uh, you can just tell when he does a podcast, he's full of life, you know, he's, and he's fair. And we, and I, I met Bill maybe 20 times and been out for dinner with him a few times, but I, I trust him. I would buy into him. He wrote that great book, Die With Zero. Um, I respect what he says, and if I ever, say if I was gonna pick someone to arbitrate something, I would trust him. There's just certain people like that who just, uh, who have that ability to lead, and uh, when they talk, you listen to them. And uh, that's quite, that's, that, that skill uh, is a culmination of all his experiences over time, good, good experiences right. and bad experiences. So you kind of, you kind of have to go through the good and the bad to get to yeah. some to be like a bill, and you do meet like uh, people maybe like yourself who've been in been in another walk of life. They want to transfer across the business, uh, you, and it's hard to transfer straight across because you haven't got so many of the bumps and the things that have gone wrong down the road to, to Are you kind sure? of walk, the grey hairs Are you sure to whizz in you a little bit. So there's no. Are you sure about that? I got some things. Yeah, well, I'm talking about in terms of like, yeah, you haven't interviewed 10 people, took, giving them jobs and uh, yeah, nine, of them don't, nine of them don't work out. You know, that happens in... in I've had that yeah. happen. Exactly that. I've had to oh. fire my friends. I've had to, you know, I've had, I've had people me over that I, I never imagined would screw me over. I've had all of this happen. Well, that translates, well, all that translates into, into business. Uh, um, but you kind of have to, take those experiences in poker and think think that, that, that those same things are going to happen in business um it's not you know it's not that new is what i'm saying to you um, oh yeah oh for like, sure like I people mean... that you trusted maybe you've loaned money to people that you trusted and uh, they're screwed and, and they've not paid you there's a difference between not paying you when they have it then they slow pay right. you to not paying you because they've gone broke 100%. In business, you can you give credit to a company, you supply them. The company runs into problems, doesn't pay you. Same shit. So, poker's like such an amazing uh, life experience for, for all walks of life. It teaches you a lot about those same exact debt problems that you're talking about. Because most people that owe me money didn't owe me money because they they. Uh, you know, because they wanted to, they owe me money. And that's what I find funny. Actually, that's actually something I find funny is that, um, well, first of all, let me finish the thought is that most people that owe me money, and there's quite a few of them, they, they would like to pay me back, but they can't. And they made bad judgments yeah. or something screwed them over or you name it. Right. And there's what, like maybe 10% of those that straight up scrummed me. Um, and then, but what I find really funny, actually, is that there's that many people that actually believe in this virtue that, um, I mean, I asked myself this question, like, I'm actually a little bit surprised at how many good people there are. It's quite inspiring. But I mean, I understand 99% of people are good. It's just, we just we just remember the 1% and that ruins it, you know. Most people are good. Even when I was just talking to your, your friend, uh, uh, Sarah, before, all these people on Twitter are putting these horrible comments and being really nasty. If you met them face to face, they're actually okay. It's just when sometimes people are having a bad day, they they, they they take it out on the social media. What is that one percent? Maybe it's less than one percent of people that are that are what we would call 
in poker they tend to be called scammers. Seems to be a, a very wide word at the moment what a scammer is. But there's a big difference between someone saying, Jungle will lend me 10K, and they don't think they can ever, they, they know they can never pay you. To a guy saying, Jungle will lend me 10K and I'll pay you back in three months, and they're gonna have a go at paying you. It's the guy that, the guy that knows he's never paying you that you have to avoid, right? Yeah, yeah, a, of course. And there's a few, and unfortunately in poker, there is a few of those guys who are just never gonna pay you, period. And they move on to the next person, the next person, the next person. But like, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm owed quite a lot of money and you know, and I never, I've loaned people money. And uh, sometimes they've never intended to pay me. I made a mistake. Sometimes they fall upon hard times. You know, it's nice if they, even if they owe you like 50K and they like pay you like 5K every like year, you know, it's nice to get, yeah? And sometimes if someone makes an effort, say someone owe me like 20K and they make an effort, pay like 2K, I just say, listen, you don't have to pay me the rest. You made an effort. Um, so, it's the ones that you just never hear from, right? They just vanish. That's not actually loading money. That's, that's stealing money. And I think that's probably happened to you, which is why you're a little bit on tilt about the financial things. No. Uh, some people, well, that they... guy we had, we, I, I remember we spoke like five or six years about the guy, Monte Carlo, that, that took the 200k off you. He's never, he was just never going to pay you, was he? He gave you know, me 10k, was... actually. Did he? Yeah, I got You're 10k off. out of that guy. <laughs> well, well, I, you know... I came, but... Huh? Yes, that's, that's 10k more than I thought you'd get, but, uh, there is that happens and, uh, you know, we live and die and these things happen, don't they? But... I don't think someone's scamming you if they borrow 10k for you and can't afford to pay you. I mean, you kind of know. If someone says, can I borrow 10k, you kind of know they haven't got it right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be asking for it in the first place. So, you know there's a yeah. risk. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, like, out of the loaning money business for the most part. I mean, maybe, like, very small amounts. I'll let you go to your game, and thank you for your time, Rob. Really. Yeah. Yeah, cool, man. I'll see you soon. I'll probably see you uh, in Cyprus, right? I, I might go, but I, I'm, I think I'm gonna. Uh, I think I'm going to uh, settle down and work for a while because right. the traveling's just man. The traveling throws me off big time. It's like that, not, I, I get in crazy momentum when I'm not. Okay, traveling. so I'll see you in Cyprus then, because you always say you're not coming anywhere and you always turn up. <laughs>